You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are connected to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. Our question today is, what is it like being the family of a person who is a ministry leader? So we'll be joined today by Karen Coffey, who is Pastor Joe's wife, and she'll share about what it's like to live as the spouse and family of somebody who's a ministry leader, what she would want and what we would want people in the congregation to know and how you can best support your ministry families. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, Zach Wyrock, another member of our leadership team, and then Karen Coffey, who is Joe's wife. Our question today is, uh, what is it like to be the family of a person who's in ministry? And I think this is something that um, you know I, I think about all the time because I have uh, young kids who are going to grow up, their, hus- their husband, their, I don't know what their husband's going to be, but their father is a pastor. Um, I know Joe grew up the son of a pastor. Zach grew up the son of the pastor. Karen has been the wife of a pastor for a long time. Um, so what would we want the average person who's in our church to know about our family? What's that like? What are the challenges? What are the joys? That's kind of our topic today. That's our starting point. Okay, let me uh, jump in at first. Um, because I grew up in a pastor's home, I kind of knew what to expect, and uh, Karen probably didn't as much. The disadvantage for me is that uh, I've never known what it's like to not be in a pastor's home in some ways because, uh, of course, my dad was a pastor and then I became a pastor. So when we knew that this might be a topic, Karen and I were talking about it and just uh I asked her what her expectations were about what it meant to be a pastor's wife uh, when we first got married and what kind of uh, how those expectations either played out or those expectations were not uh, didn't match up with what ended up being what it meant to be a pastor's wife. So let me throw it over to you, Karen. What were your expectations (laughs) when you and I when I told you we're going to I'm going to be a pastor you marry me, you're going to be a pastor's wife. Good question. Uh, I think when we first got married, I was just so excited to be married to you and to be sharing ministry together. And I had always thought that I would be in some kind of ministry. I, uh, I think my expectation was that we would serve together and we would be a team and, um, respected that there would be um, a lot of joys working together, that we would face some difficulties and walk with people through those difficulties. Um, And it has been that way, and it has been. uh, We probably have been in ministry together for 40 years. We graduated from college 40 years ago. So we have a lot of memories. Um, One thing I didn't expect is I am – I like the tagline – private girl, public life. And I think I am very much an introvert and uh, very private. And so one thing I didn't expect was how public our life would be. And with that, how lonely our life would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a very interesting thing to be. I mean, I think it's one thing, like Zach and I grew up in similar sized churches, probably of two or 300 at the largest. And then, uh, to be a part of a church uh, that's, you know, several thousand is a different animal. I think, um, and of course, when we first got into ministry, there's no such thing as social media. There's no such thing as email, right? I remember, <laughs> I remember hearing a comedian 
say that when he was in high school, if you wanted to say something bad about Lionel Richie, you had to buy a ticket to a concert. And you, <laughs> it had to be a good ticket. And then you had to yell it out, yeah. But now you can write any, and that's true of, you know, when we first got into ministry, if you were going to get a negative comment, it was going to be face-to-face. Or somebody had to write it longhand, which they didn't. Now they just shoot an email. But and uh, to Karen's point, I can. I, I was thinking that I can stand in the atrium, uh, and if I stood there with somebody who didn't know anybody in our church, I could be pointing out people, and just I know as pastors, you know a lot about people. You know their hardest times. You know their best times. I always say that one of the reasons I got into ministry is I get to to be there in the big moments in people's lives. When somebody's born, when somebody dies, when somebody's struggling, when somebody's rejoicing, we get to be there, which is good. Uh, but it also produces uh, some difficulties. Zach, you look like you were going to jump yeah, in. Yeah, I was just going to say that public uh, comment that, that that Karen was making about just how public it is. I would say, I think maybe what people don't appreciate is it's not just that, like on a Sunday, everyone knows who you are and everyone's watching. It's that... There's this element of expectation everywhere you go. I mean, I remember growing up, my parents, whether we go to the grocery store, you know, if your kid loses their mind at Target, the implications are greater if you're in ministry than if you're not. If you're driving and you're not paying attention and you cut somebody off, the implications are greater if you're in ministry than if you're not. It's that resting state of... I don't really know if I'm being evaluated right now, but there's a good chance I'm being evaluated right now. And is what I'm doing going to, you know, it's that it's like always taking a test. There, there, there's a state of restlessness that can pervade your life because uh, you're always afraid. Maybe more so if you're not the one in in ministry, uh, because they kind of signed up for it. But if you're their kid or you're their wife or you're, you know, it's like the, you're just kind of always having to be mindful of. If I do a stupid teenager thing, the implications of that are bigger than a normal teenager. Yeah, and that's the goldfish kind of gold what uh, fishbowl mentality, right? That uh, everybody is watching. And I think our kids uh, have voiced some of that, of what it's like to be a preacher's kid, where if you if a song comes on and uh, it's a rock song and, and you know it, people go, oh, I didn't think you listened to that. And if you don't know it, it's because, oh, you're a preacher's kid. And if you know the answer to a Bible question. You're supposed to. Yeah. And if you don't know it, it's like, oh, look who doesn't know the answer. And it's a, uh, so those are some negative things. They're definitely, I mean, there are joys uh, to ministry. One of the things that people don't often think about, and, uh, you know, Karen had to think about it. You guys uh, are thinking about it now, but uh, wives of pastors grow up. Uh, or go through church when Karen says lonely, like on Sundays for for you know, as long as our kids were in the house, she was getting them ready alone. Yeah, Amy always says that you know she's a single parent on Sundays, right? And then she yeah. sits alone at services, and then she goes home. You know, for us, for me, Sundays begin at I mean, I'm at the church around seven, and I get home about one. Um, so it's just, uh, and, and you guys have too many kids to begin with. So yeah, it's, I, I can't imagine, I can't, imagine, I can't imagine what they, how hard it would be yeah. for uh, your wives, but they do it and they do it without 
complaint without um, drawing attention to it, and they have to do it in order for us to do what we do. And same thing with the kids. I mean, you know, the the kids, there are periods of time where families are usually together and we're not not together. You know, things like getting ready to go to church, go to church, uh, those kinds of things. That's why I always felt like growing up or even now, sometimes the greatest gift someone can give me or my family is just treating us like we're normal. You know, whether that's uh, giving us space to, uh, for Amy and I to have a fight, you know, or the kids to not be on their best behavior, or to just even sometimes, you know, I'll play golf with a guy from the church, and, the, and on the first hole he's saying to me, hey, listen, I just want you to be yourself today, right? You're not, you know, you are my pastor, but I just want you to be yourself. I want to crack jokes. I want to have fun. I want to just, you know, and that that is when they mean it, when they mean when they really mean it. That is a, a gift because I, I don't know. I, I wonder if sometimes those of us in ministry, if we even forget what that feels like to just like, just be yourself yeah. and not work through. And and I don't mean that. I mean, look, I, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. There is a certain public nature to what we do that we signed up for that's healthy. Um, but I don't know if we always recognize the effect that has on us over, you know, a lifetime of of being observed. Yeah, Karen, go ahead. I think of it when when you say normal, I think I don't even know what that would be because a regular employer, if you say you work for a bank or an insurance company or a contractor, you have weekly hours and then you go home and you have your weekend. And your wife may know who you interacted with that week, she may not. You you know, you made decisions all week long for that business that didn't impact the family at all. But it feels like in the church, decisions are made and it impacts the family, it impacts the church, and then it comes back um, upon you. So, you know, so I thought, gosh, what would it be like to just be married to somebody who, and I know other jobs are hard, I'm not saying that, but they're not, every little minute isn't as public. Every little word that you say on a podcast or in a sermon can get pulled out and misunderstood. Um, So I think that's hard. Yeah, it's funny. How often have you been listening to a sermon that I'm giving and just winced and thought, ooh, that's going to come back and bite him? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, that many times? I'm going to take that that as a last reaction. I thought you were going to go, oh, maybe once or twice in the last decade. But yeah. Say a little more in the last decade than before. Let's say that. And I also wanted to add that I know where every drive through Starbucks is in in 10 mile radius, just because now it's so so weird. I think, um, Zach, you mentioned something about relationships. There's a difference between relationship and a friendship. And it's hard to know where that line is. And um, now, because there's been so many changes, when you see someone in public, I mean, let's face it, if somebody leaves the church, they don't leave saying, oh, that was such a great church. I, so many good things are happening. Um, I just can't stand it. I have to get out. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. That's right. It's so good. So it's like I've got see... a cake that's got too much frosting. I just got to go. <laughs> so I see people and I think, okay. Was it something I did? Was it something Joe did? You know, and and so that it makes my world so much more, so much smaller, right. and so much more private. And relationships are are so few. Yeah, I I spent some time with a guy a couple of weeks ago who's a who's a painter, not a house painter, but like a fine arts painter. 
And I was just telling him, uh, and I was asking him, what's it like to put yourself into your work and then hang that on a gallery and put a price on it and have people reject or accept it, right? So for every one person who says, hey, your work is worth $5,000, here's a check. That's got to feel great. But every person who like walks by and goes, that's terrible. I mean, you put yourself into that. I think, you know, the church belongs to Jesus. Of course, it's Jesus' church, but as pastors, you know, we put our heart and soul into, you know, we're not in a meeting going, I don't even know if this is right or biblical or good, let's just try it. Like, we're doing things out of conviction, we're doing things out of, it doesn't mean we bat a, a thousand, we, we don't, but, and so when people reject it, which is bound to happen, and sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad, it's kind of like that painter where you're saying, man, I've really put myself into that, you know, that sermon you just heard, that was hours and hours of, of time and reading and and agonizing. And, and uh, you know, when someone walks out and is dismissive of it, uh, it, it, it stings, right? I, I think that that is, uh, that is very true. I think people don't realize that for us, and to some extent, the church and our family or the church and ourselves, they, I don't know how you'd pull them apart, right? To, to you know, uh, what you say about one is, is going to affect uh, the well, I think the unique, one of the unique, unique dynamics that at least my wife, Emily, and I have talked about is, uh, it kind of goes back to some of what you were saying, Karen, but the, the unique thing about me working at a church is that my employment has a huge degree of overlap with my wife's social circle. And I think that is, uh, can be really, really challenging because on one hand, you know there are there are decisions that need to be made and things that need to be done for the good of the church that sometimes have an adverse or a seemingly adverse effect on somebody that my wife is very good friends with and uh, I think that's one of the most difficult things for Emily is how do I deal with the fact that uh, I have a friend or somebody who was a friend who's now upset I don't know if she's she or he is upset at me or but it's because of a decision that I had no agency or power with. And so it's like, I'm just on the receiving end of this thing changed. And now this person's upset. We were friends and I don't know what we are now. I think that's really challenging for her. Yeah. When you find the answer to that, let me know. That's what we brought you here for. I thought you were, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but we can shift into, there are some, obviously there are some positives, you know, things are, some things are hard. There are some positives. I mean, I, I feel like for my family now, uh, that our faith and just the the kingdom of Jesus is so woven into our lives in a healthy way. I mean, I, I think, you know, it is not hard for our kids to see that that our relationship with Jesus is so central uh, because of not just my work, but because of the moves we've made as a family, you know, moving to Cleveland to plant a church, moving here to be part of what God's doing. I mean, just I think our kids are going to be able to look at a lifetime of stories and say, Hey, uh, it really has been uh, great. I mean, I, you know, I had a conversation with Becca, uh, Joe and Karen's daughter, the other day about just our kids growing up, you know, in the life she had. Because Joe, you mentioned that I grew up in smaller churches, and and I was saying to Becca that in some ways that's harder because everybody knows who you are versus a really big church where you know people might pass one of my kids and not know it's one of my kids. And Becca was saying, no, no, it's it's still really you know really hard. But I think about how she's. But yeah, she's, I remember she she said, "Oh no, they're gonna know. They're gonna know Deacon." Yeah, and they're gonna go, "Oh yeah, that's Deacon. That's the one that Zach has mentioned." Yeah, in a sermon. In a sermon. Yeah. yeah. But I think that Becca has moved back. Yeah. 
you know, all your kids are here and go to the church, which also is a testimony that there was some sweetness that they experienced. They have not run from it. They've not run from you guys. And that's, I mean, I've seen you guys love them as parents as a testimony to your, your parenting, but, but also that there was at least enough sweetness in their experience growing up that, that they're not only still following Jesus, still uh, in great relationship with you guys, but they attend the church that they grew up in, which, man, if I could sign up for that yeah. uh, 20 years from now, I'd sign up for that now. Yeah, and I think when when at least our, when our kids have moved and gone to other churches, they have missed the church and have watched it online or something like that. So that, that is good. That... Yeah, and I would be remiss not to say how many people have sweetly supported us. Um, I think particularly when our your parents and my mom um, passed these past couple of years, we were loved very well and taken care of very well. Yesterday, I had an event, and a, a sweet friend sent me some pictures and kind words. There, are, there's so much support, and we feel it. it it's that angst of of not knowing when it's not going to be supportive. Right. That is hard. Yeah, if you could hear you know, behind what Karen just said, but um, one of the things that happens after a while, and uh, Jimmy, you and you mentioned it with Emily, you get kind of gun shy because you think uh, that oh well, these will never get upset about anything and leave, and then when oh, somebody God. does who's very close and they leave, it makes it puts everybody else in that jeopardy kind of spot where you're going, oh, wow, I just, I never thought that they would leave after all the ministry that they have experienced and all, and all that we've been through together uh, with them. And then they do then. Now, let me ask you this, Jimmy, like you served at our church in student ministries. Now, when you were in uh, student ministries, did it, uh, did people leaving the church impact you the same as it does now? Because you're more in a decision-making um, position now. I would say I was much less aware of it right. when I was working. And that's probably something that's unique to a church our size is that, you know, I, ex- prob- I existed in a position for a long time where I probably was relatively naive to the things that were going on if people were upset about something. Um, I mean, it would affect me if a student or a family that I knew of left the church and and by default their student left the student ministry or if I felt like they left the church because of our student ministry because of a decision that we made or something that we we had done again as Zach said earlier in an effort to reach students with the gospel and see them grow in their relationship with Jesus so I would say no I wasn't as aware of it so I don't think it affected me the way that it does right. now when I have a little bit more visibility to the bigger picture and understanding yeah. Yeah, I think that goes back to what I was saying about the painter putting his work up there because I think if you are uh a dentist or a car mechanic or a doctor or your work is separate from your relationships, right? And and that's the uniqueness is that uh if I'm friends with you, I I don't really care what kind of dentist you are. You may not even be my dentist, Probably right? Are. I just know what you do during the week and versus what we do is in some ways why we're in relationship in the first place. Right, <laughs> like you, right. you know me because I work at your church, and you, and therefore, you. It's impossible for most people to separate the decisions we make and the and the things we do in work from who we are and from our relationship. And 
and that brings some good things. We get to know some people we wouldn't have otherwise got to know, and then that brings some some difficult things in that we don't have a private life and a public life, and in a large degree, it's like we're our lives are just public, and that comes full circle back to that resting state of just uh, constant evaluation and constant. And I think you know, um, in the same way that uh, your kids have come back around. I mean, Joe and Karen, you guys have done this for so long, so. I just appreciate on this end knowing however many hard days I've had, you've been doing it a lot longer than me, you've had infinitely more, that uh, somehow you just kept doing it, kept doing it. And I think that's because I'm, we, we are all driven by this idea that Jesus is worth it. Uh, people are worth it too. That's harder to believe always, uh, but Jesus is, is worth it. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.